Now, I don't know how you felt before when Pete was saying it's nearly Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, already it's nearly December. Thursday, it will be the first. Now, if you got the kids back in here and said, how do you feel about it nearly being Christmas? I'm sure they would look happier than what all of you look right now. Yeah, they'll be getting excited because it's nearly Christmas time. Do you know, uh, I told you before that we've only just moved about two weeks ago. There are boxes everywhere. It's a nightmare. But you know what? We've got our Christmas tree up already. <laughs> Can you believe that? Our Christmas tree went up yesterday. That was the priority for my family to get the tree up. It wasn't my priority, but I was just doing what I was told. So it was to get the tree up. Now, uh, you know, Christmas can be a really exciting time. I know it can bring different emotions. It can be a worrying time and, and things like this. And all sorts of emotions can go on uh, at Christmas time. But the overriding f- for most people is a time of excitement. We're coming into an exciting season. Uh, do you know, last week I uh, went to my brother's house and I was dropping off just a bag of uh, clothes and my nephew came to the door, and as he came, there's a big window, and he looked, and he had this big smile. He's only eight. Josh's name is. He's only eight. Usually, when, I, when he comes to the door and he sees it's just me without my boys, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, what a, a grown-up. You know, oh. And he comes, and he, this time he's got this big smile, and he opens the door, and he sees I've got this bag, and he's like, oh. he's looking at this bag, and he's like, filled with excitement, and he goes, have you come for my birthday? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, when's it your birthday? And he was like, oh, in about 10 days' time. I was like, right, okay. So I have a comfy birthday. It's just, it's just a bag of clothes. But you see, Josh has been so excited for his birthday. The last birthday in their family was back in October. And apparently every day he's been like, when's it my birthday? When's it my birthday? When's it my... What am I going to do for my birthday? It's just full of excitement. You see, sadly... He was full of all this expectation, but sadly I let him down that day with a rubbish bag of clothes that had nothing to do with him. I I know for the last uh, few weeks, Peter's been telling me that you're going through this series in the Gospel of Luke. And I'm sure you'll remember that Luke was a, a doctor who, he was a bright guy who diligently was investigating to put uh, together this gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, and he was writing it for a guy called Theophilus. And what we have in these early sort of verses of Luke, especially the passage that we're going to look at this morning, is one of excitement, one of praise, expectation. Why? Because the promised Messiah has come, finally, God's promised king is coming. I'm not surprised there was excitement. The scene that this is set in is in Galilee. Now in Galilee, the people were people of what you might say of low status. They're not in positions of power. Actually, these people were under oppression from the Romans. They were under oppression from King Herod. Lots of these people were poor. They were struggling to pay their taxes or their bills, you might say. Lots of them would have been lonely, hurting people, struggling to put food on the table. You see, this is the place where the Messiah is coming. This is the place where he would arrive. Among those of 
of lowly estates, the poor, the struggling, the, you might say everyday working people, those who are sick, those who can't pay their bills, as I said, those who are seen often by others as nothing. This is where Jesus will come. You see, and what we have in, in the first chapter are, are some, some amazing interactions. You've seen them over the last couple of weeks. First you saw an angel, an actual angel from heaven. The angel Gabriel comes to an old man, a, a priest, Zechariah. And what did he say? Your, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a child, even though she's old, even though it's impossible. She's going to have a child, and his name is going to be John. And he will be the forerunner for the promised Messiah. And then the same angel, Gabriel, visits Mary. This young girl, probably a teenager. She was a virgin girl. She was engaged to be married. And she's from this place called Nazareth. A nothing place in the middle of nowhere. And the angel says to her, You have found favor with God. And she'll have a child. And this child is going to be called Jesus, which means God saves. And look at verse 32. Listen to what he said about Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. I wonder how Mary felt at that point. <laughs> what does she say? How? How? I'm sure the how of, how is this even happening? But the practical, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. I've never had sexual relations. How can this happen? And what does he say? The angel says it's through the power of the Holy Spirit who will come upon her. You see, God can do and will do the impossible. He's already done a miracle, Gabriel tells her, through giving a baby to Elizabeth, a relative. And she's already six months old. You see, Gabriel gives her this, this comfort as this young girl probably is panicking, trembling a little bit. He gives her comfort and says, Elizabeth also is having a child. I don't know what you must have felt like in that position if that was you. Well, Mary's response was astounding, wasn't it? It's amazing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. It's amazing. You see, this is complete trust and obedience to what God has called her to. Over the rest of the chapter and into chapter 2, actually you, what you get to see now, and you'll probably see over the coming weeks, is the perspectives of different people and their responses to this prom promised Messiah arriving. This morning we're going to think about Elizabeth and Mary and how they sing and shout about the Messiah. And next week you're going to meet uh, Zechariah again. Do you remember he was muted because of his disbelief? But by the end of next week, you'll see that he's singing 
praises and joy. And then you, you'll, you'll meet, we'll meet angels again along the way and they'll sing of the glory of God. And then you'll meet, there'll be, there's two older believers, Simeon and Anna, and they'll be declaring that the Messiah has arrived and they will know of peace, peace that is not just in this life, but peace that lasts for all eternity. And this morning, I want us to just think for a few moments about how we, we respond to Jesus and what is the right response for us. What does it look like for us? You see, Mary has been told that she will give birth to the Son of God. This is astounding. And what does she do? What does she do? She goes straight to her old relative, Elizabeth. Straight away. Look at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Mary actually traveled, it was about 70 miles. Now, 70 miles for us, it feels like Queen's Drive, but it's much longer than that, right? 70 miles then would have been a killer for her to travel. It doesn't actually tell us how, how she got there. It doesn't tell us who she went with. But what we do know is that she was in a hurry to see Elizabeth. She wanted to see Elizabeth, who also was pregnant, who understood in some way what she was going through. She wanted to see the truth as well. The truth is that she was pregnant. Joe, I told you before that we lived in Scotland and actually after lockdown, Nicola Sturgeon kept us in lockdown a lot longer than what happened in Liverpool. But the day that she opened it, it was like, wow, here we go. So we jumped in the car and we headed home. We didn't tell anyone that we were coming. We thought we'll surprise them. We'll just turn up. We're about two hours into the journey and we're going to Sarah's mum and dad's and I start to panic a little bit because I'm thinking, what if they don't want us there? <laughs> you know, what if they're like, wait there, what are you doing here? Why have you come? Uh, anyway, we get there and I'm getting a little bit nervous. I'm like, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? What are they going to say? What, what if they say, oh no, you can't stay with us? Anyway, about an hour and a half later, we arrived and we knocked on the door and Sarah's dad opens the door. Now, Sarah's dad's quite a scary, scary guy, or he was when I was growing up. You know what I mean? I was quite intimidated by him. He's only about this high, but he's quite intimidating still, right? And he opened the door, but this big smile came on his face and he grabbed hold of the kids like, oh, this is amazing. And everyone was smiling. We weren't talking about trivial things and stuff like that. We were just enjoying being together and it was like, wow, oh, this is fantastic. They were all together and there was screams, there was laughter, there was tears, there was joy. But then when he did speak, do you know what the first thing he said? Where are you staying? I was like, oh no. <laughs> Can we stay here? Thankfully, he said, oh, yeah, it's amazing you can stay here. Thankfully, it was all right. And anyway, we went round all the other, other family and visited them, and we surprised them all, and it was wonderful. Mary arrives at Elizabeth's door. They didn't stop and talk about the trivial things. You see, do you know what happened? There were shouts of joy. They were shouting for joy and singing songs of praise. Look at verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. That's John. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that, my mother, uh, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. This is a wonderful reunion, isn't it? Wonderful scene. As Mary arrives, uh, John, this promised baby to Elizabeth, gives a right good kick. You see, she gets a kick out of Mary. He gets a kick out of Mary being there. He gets excited because the Saviour's coming. And it's not just him who gets a kick out of it. Elizabeth does too. You see, the Holy Spirit fills her. And she cannot stay quiet. You see, in fact, she gives a joyful shout. And it's a joyful shout of wonder. She's full of joy and wonder as she blesses Mary and the child that Mary bears. You see, she is full of wonder. Look, she says, how can the mother of my Lord come to me? How can the Lord come to me? She's full of wonder that the Savior of the world is here. She is full of joy. John is leaping inside of her. The Holy Spirit Ignite here to be full of joy. You see, those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, those who've met the Savior, are also filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit filled people respond to the Savior in the same way. You see, the right response of God's promised Savior is one of wonder and joy. Wonder why? Because you stand there and you say, how can the God of this universe become a baby? How can he come and be flesh and come for me? How can that be? How can God of this universe care for me? Love me? We should be in wonder at what Jesus has done. And we should be full of joy. How is it that he has come to save a sinner like me? I am saved because of this child. Surely that instills joy in your heart. You see, Luke points, uh, his point here is that we should, get some, we should be getting some of this wonder and joy that Elizabeth has here. His shouts of joy are completely appropriate because her saviour has come. We should be shouting for joy more than anyone in this world. A church family should be booming with joy and singing. She, she knows that with Jesus coming, salvation, deliverance, and safety is coming to her. You see, Jesus coming for us means that we can know of salvation from eternal death. Deliverance from sin. Eternal safety with him. You see, this news surely stirs our hearts and makes us want to shout for joy. Joe, I love the, the last thing that uh, Elizabeth says. So we look at verse 45 again. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. You see, blessing comes through belief. If you don't desire to shout for joy of what Jesus has done for you, my question then would be, 
Do you actually know who Jesus is? You see, the reason you may not want to shout for joy, the, the joy of who Jesus is, because you don't understand or you don't believe who Jesus really is. So can I stop just one moment and can I tell you, I want to tell you that Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. He came to live this perfect life that you could not live. We could not live this perfect life. And he came and died upon a cross. Actually, it was a criminal's death. And he died so that you don't have to be punished for your sin. He was punished instead of you. And sin, what is sin then? Sin is a rejection of God and not believing in him, turning from him. And the Bible is very clear that, um, that you will face eternal punishment and separation from him. Unless, unless you repent of your sin. That means turning away from your sin, turning back to God. Repent of your sin, turn back to him in faith and believe on him. Believe on Jesus and what he has come for and that he has come to die and take a punishment for you. And you know, if you do that, as Elizabeth said of Mary, you will be blessed because of your belief in him. And then you will have the most joyful thing to shout about. You'll have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What news, what joy that should bring. You see, a right response to Jesus is a joyful shout of wonder. Hopefully you're saying amen in your heart. Yeah. It's a joyful shout of wonder. And as Elizabeth actually, she stops singing. Oh, she stops shouting, should I say. Or stops declaring. Mary sings a song. And this song that she sings is a God-magnifying song. You see, this song she sings is known as the Magnificat. I know some of you have heard that. It's a Latin word. Or the young people are like, oh, I didn't come here to learn Latin. You know what I mean? But it's just what it's known as, all right? But basically, it's because, Mary, it basically means that Mary is singing about magnifying her God. Making him big. Making him known because of who he is. She's singing a song of praise. A song of worship because of who he is and what he has done and what he will do. Mary basically is worshipping. She's praising. And so what is worship? Worship basically, look, it's responding rightly, rightly to God as he reveals himself to us. And it's doing it in all areas of life. Worship isn't just singing, that's part of it. But it's all areas of life. It's him being Lord of every area of your life. Look at what Mary sings about. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And why is she worshipping a God? Well, she's worshipping a God because of the mercies he gives to her. His mercies to her. Look at verse 48. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed, she sings. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You see, Mary acknowledges that God has been mindful of it. Or he has looked upon it. God sees her in his tenderness. Understands her. Knows her. Has taken care of her. He has been merciful towards her. In fact, he has blessed her. Mary realizes that she, as an insignificant young girl, from an insignificant place, is now part of the most significant moment in history. God has blessed her. And she doesn't deserve anything from God. She doesn't. She's a simple girl. A simple person from a simple place, just like us. But she continues to worship. And she worships her God. Why? Because he has always been merciful. And he's been merciful to his people. Look at verse 15. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. She sings of how God has always been merciful to his people. From generation to generation. He has shown this through his might and deeds, she says, or through his might and power, sorry. He rescued his people from bondage. He, they, he brought them out of slavery. And he scattered those who, who have oppressed his people down the ages. He's rescued them from rulers and kings who've lorded over them. He lifts up those who are seen as low in society. He, had, he has compassion on the hungry, compassion on the poor. He brings down the pride. He lifts those who are humble before him. He has shown his mercy to his people, even though they rejected him at times. He has shown them mercy even when they did not deserve it. And now Mary says, the time has come. The time has come. The wrongs, the oppressions, the world that flips upside down. He will right it all. He will scatter the proud. He will bring down the mighty and those who oppress. He will bring about a great reversal. And as she continues to worship her God, she continues because she sees that, him, that these mercies are fulfilled in the child in her, in Jesus. Look at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. You see, as Mary sings with the Son of God in her womb, 
She is filled with wonder and joy in her heart, like Elizabeth, because this child, physically now, God as flesh in her body, the Son of God, is the fulfillment of all that was promised to God's people. She knows that what God is about to do through this child is the faithful fulfillment to his promises to Abraham, to David, to the whole of the Old Testament. God promised that a child would be born from their family who would be God himself. And he will come and will put all things right. And he will be God's king. And he will reign forever. You see, Mary is singing of her God who keeps his promises. Whose word is faithful and true. Because this child is the promised one. Do you know, we live in a world, don't we? We live in a world where truth, truth is questioned all the time. Or we live in a world, don't we, where we find it hard to trust anyone at the moment. But one thing that we can be sure of in a world that is so confused, one thing that we can be sure of is that God's word is trustworthy and true. And he must be trustworthy and true. Nothing is so sure as God's own word. And how do we know that? Because Jesus came. The whole of the Old Testament points to this moment, to this promise of Jesus. This salvation plan has always been. And this song that Mary sings, it's a salvation song of praise, but it's a song that has always been. It's actually God's salvation song. This is a song, yes, of Christmas, of Jesus coming, but the song started well before Mary. Because God was singing of a saviour to come since before the creation of the world. And we see the salvation echo right through the ages. You see, Mary actually is singing truth from the Old Testament. It's all over the Old Testament, the things that she's singing. And actually, if you go to the song of Hannah in 1 Samuel, you'll see it's almost identical. You see, Mary is singing in harmony with Hannah and all God's people. The song uh, that has been ringing out from creation is one of recreation. A recreation of individual lives, individual men, women, boys and girls from generation to generation being made new because of Jesus. And we've seen uh, that the people of Israel were under bondage at this time when Jesus came. We saw that the Romans and Herod oppressed the people. But this song is not about releasing them from that oppression. This song is about releasing them from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of death. And this song is played out perfectly in the life of Jesus. And as he grows from a child to a man, he goes around and he shows compassion. Compassion for the broken, compassion for the lost. And he teaches what he has come for and who he has come for. I'm sure in weeks to come as you go through Luke, uh, 
hopefully you'll come to these verses because they're in Luke. But in Luke chapter 4, Jesus says this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In chapter 6 he goes on to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And in chapter 14, he goes on and tells a story. And in this story, he says, go out quickly into the streets, into the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Bring in those who are oppressed. Bring in those who people think are not worth anything. They're the ones I've come for. You see, Jesus came to rescue those who realize they need a savior. Not those who think they are sorted. Those who know they have rejected him in the past. People like you and me. Those people who realize they need him. And he says, I will show them mercy. And he rescues us. Surely in your heart you're saying, what a savior. Joe, but as we listen to this wonderful song of Mary, we must know that the song of salvation is still ringing out today. It hasn't ended yet. Because this song, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to all of us to respond to Jesus. You see, the song goes on because the Bible tells us that today and tomorrow we can still respond because this song is going to go on and on and on till Jesus comes again. A time when every eye will see him. And every knee will bow, even if they didn't want to, because of who he is. And so today, how we respond to Jesus today will determine what will happen when he comes. He will return as judge of the world. And those who reject this good news, those who reject this child, those who reject him, and reject that he came to die for him, them. They will die instead. They will face the punishment for their own sin. So, the question is, what does it look like to respond rightly to Christ? This child today. Firstly, it means it looks like coming to him in repentance and belief. Realizing who you are, realizing what you have done, realizing that you've rejected him as your Lord and Savior, and bowing the knee and saying, Lord, be Lord of my life. Thank you for coming to save me. And those of us who believe, it means living a life of obedience and faith in his word, trusting in his word. It means letting Jesus again be, be, be Lord of every area of your life. Every area of your life. Not just Sunday. Not just at the prayer meeting. When you're in the home. When you go in the shops. 
in your desires, where you move to, what job you do, how you raise your children. Him being Lord of your life. It means praising him and having joy. Even when life feels a mess and painful. Even when you, you haven't got a clue how you're going to pay that electricity bill. That gas bill. When you, you're struggling because you haven't even got a job. It means you can still know and have joy. In the mess and pain of life. Knowing that he tenderly looks upon you. And always will be with you. Because you are his son and you are his daughter. And he will hold you. If you trust him. And it's living with excitement as well. It's living with excitement. And anticipation. And hope. Knowing that he is coming again. And he is going to put it all right. It's believing. And getting excited by that. And saying come Lord Jesus come. It's lifting our eyes from this world. And it's looking to him. And listening to that salvation song that rings out. And remembering that it's a song that we need to sing. And we need to ring out. And we need to proclaim to all lost people of this world. Because it's a song for them too. It's not just ours to hold on to. It is living in wonder. It's living in wonder of the birth and of the death of Jesus Christ, God who became flesh. It's living in the light of the eternal song that brings eternal joy to our hearts. It's singing, come Lord Jesus. And it's singing with Mary, shouting with Elizabeth. And it's saying, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Let's pray.